0: Well, now I feel a little bit better. All right, so gift giving. When I say that word, gift giving, some of you in here, like your heart just jumps. It's like your happiest place. You've already got your list for Christmas. You've probably already even purchased some of those gifts. How many of you, when I say gift giving, your heart jumps? Okay, how many of you, when I say gift giving, you are immobilized and you are really sad that the seasons are turning and christmas is coming. That that would be me. I don't enjoy gift giving. And it's not because I don't like to give gifts. It's because I never know what to give. Anybody with me? I mean, gifts really do communicate something to people. When we get a gift from someone, we can rightly assume it says something about us. Right? It communicates what they see in us, or see that we need, or see that we enjoy. I remember a message by Tim Keller unpacking this truth. And for example, if my husband this Christmas decides to buy me a gym membership, some perfume, and a book on generosity, what can I assume? I am out of shape, I stink, and I am stingy, right? So, word of warning to Jeff. 27 years ago, I was given just the right gift. And I believe it was handpicked by God to communicate something about me that I could not see or more likely I refused to see. 27 years ago, I was given the gift of my daughter, Aubrey Blythe. And I have a picture for her, of her, if it can go up. There she is with her big brother. Just a month after this picture was taken a pediatric neurologist announced that she would never be normal, radically changing our life. Due to a severe brain abnormality, our life was forever changed. Aubrey's diagnosis brought understandable sorrow, but also tremendous fear and an absolute devastation of all my future plans. Aubrey was handpicked by God for me, to reveal my heart, to expose an ugliness within me. I not only devalued the mentally disabled, but I had disdain for them. When my, babies, when my little boy, Austin and I, were at the park and adults with mental disabilities would show up, we would leave. I was not comfortable and I did not want to be comfortable. uncomfortable. God gave me the very thing I told him I could not handle, not to punish me, but to pursue me with his relentless love. He graciously sent her in the best package ever, a helpless, vulnerable baby, so that when I would try to reject her, she would still embrace me. When I prayed for her to die because I didn't want to raise her, she would smile and coo at me. And when I say that God gave Aubrey to me because I am ugly, because this beastly part of my heart, I make people very uncomfortable and uneasy. How many of you are uncomfortable and uneasy right now? People like to tell me, oh no, God gave her to you because you're wonderful. Because he knew you'd be the perfect mom for her. For me, this is a lie. Although God does give some special needs children to women who have embraced them instantly, that is not why he gave her to me. She was a gift to change me. My sister's lies may make us feel better for a short time, but lies keep us stuck. And to get unstuck, I would have to face my fears and my pride and my prejudices my idols, I would have to face an uncertain future, and I would have to embrace a devastation of my plans. Several Christmases ago, desiring to to know afresh anew what it means that God gave us the gift of his son, he reminded me of Aubrey, and that the best gifts are the gifts that expose our hearts in order to change our hearts. Gifts that allow us the opportunity to say yes to being transformed, yes to the impossible. And God has made the impossible possible. Aubrey is more disabled than even the pediatric neurologist anticipated. She is developmentally, physically, and mentally less than one year old at 27 years of age. I prayed for miraculous healing for her for years. And God did something more miraculous. He changed me. I love Aubrey more than I could have ever imagined. I look into her eyes, though, and I shudder to consider what her life would be like today had God not changed me. Apart from his grace, what she could have even suffered at my own hands. So tears do flow over what God has done, but weeping comes when I recognize that the change in my heart was only made possible because God first gave me the perfect gift in Jesus Christ. Receiving Jesus is when the impossible becomes possible. When the heart of stone is replaced with a heart of flesh that can change the hardest of persons. Had I not received the perfect gift of Jesus, I would never have said yes to Aubrey. Aubrey would not live with me today. And my heart would be every bit as ugly as it was 27 years ago, if not worse. In sending his son to be born of Mary through her obedience, we are given the perfect gift. God gave us exactly what we need to see the true nature of our hearts apart from Him. But we must not miss what it meant for Mary to accept this gift. For Mary, receiving the gift of God's Son, brought tremendous uncertainty, devastation of all her future plans. Talk about a change of trajectory. Why did Mary say yes to this uncertainty? Why did she say yes to potential devastation? Poverty, disgrace. Because as Gabriel described the gift that God was going to give to her, Mary knew that if she received this gift, there was a guarantee that she could be changed. There was a guarantee that the impossible could become possible. That she could have her disgrace of sin removed and be declared perfect in the sight of God. Like Mary, to say yes to God is to see how his perfect gift of Jesus not only exposes the true nature of our hearts, but if received is the guarantee that every heart in here can be miraculously changed. So if you will, and you're able to stand, let's read Luke 1, 26 to 38 together. I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You can have a seat. Father, praise you for your word. So in Luke 1, we get this historical account where every detail matters. Every detail tells us about our hearts. We have the account of God giving Mary and you and I through Mary the perfect gift. And the guarantee... That he can change our hearts. So, the gift, we're gonna look at the gift first, both the sending and the substance and the source of this gift, and what it reveals about our hearts and what it guarantees about our hearts being changed. So, first, God sending his son to Nazareth is significant. It tells us where our hearts live. Nazareth was in Galilee, an obscure backwater town of Israel. As a Jew, to admit you were from Nazareth was embarrassing humiliating. The Nazarenes were considered uneducated and even ungodly. It was called the Galilee of the Gentiles. If you wanted to insult, show contempt, put down another Jew, you called them a Nazarene. This is why Nathaniel, when he first meets Jesus during his earthly ministry, says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? When I fell in love with my husband, I lived in Orange County. he, He tricked me into moving to the valley, by getting me to fall in love with him first. And when my Orange County friends found out I was going to move to Fresno, they, as my daughter Emmeline would say, threw a lot of shade my way. <laughs> they looked down their noses and in through their sarcasm and their, 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 oh, I'm so happy for you faces, they were really insulting me. You're really going to be a Central Valley girl? Telling a devout Jew that you were from Nazareth was far worse. It's like running into somebody from Nashville who's head of like Christian music and telling them, I live on the Las Vegas Strip and I make my living there. (laughs) Nazareth was a stereotype and it is a picture of our natural hearts. They are distant They are contemptible. They are ungodly apart from God's grace. But they are pursued by God. The angel Gabriel goes to Nazareth Nazareth just as happily as he went to the temple to meet with Zechariah. Yes, God goes and chases us down on the Las Vegas Strip and in Nashville. And the angel says, greetings to Mary, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The angel is saying, enjoy all possible blessings now and in the future. This was packed words. Why? Because you are favored, Mary. And you are favored because God has come to you. And what we must not miss about the wording here is that it is not Mary, God has come to you because you're great. It is Mary, you are great because God has come to you. See, I think we have taken the human idea of love or favor and we have imposed this upon God. We think that if a woman is passionately and sacrificially loved, she must be something. But we have it backwards. True love is in the giving of the love, not the receiving. Greatness is in the giver. And I've watched this play out in my own home between Jeff and Aubrey, my husband. I married a good man who loves Jesus. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's he's capable. But he became great in my eyes when he instantly embraced Aubrey and loved her. Jeff valued her not just as much as her big brother and two little sisters, but more so. Greatness is in giving love without expecting anything in return. True greatness is in giving passionate sacrificial love. But we too often apply a wrong idea of love to God and we believe that Jesus gave him that God gave Jesus to us because we're all that. No. It is in receiving his son that we become something. And this is good news because honestly, we say we want to be loved just for who we are. We'd love to know that God has our specific picture in his wallet, right? But the truth is we know we're not worthy. And what we need more than to know that we're loved because we're all that is to know that we're loved in spite of the fact that we're not all that. Amen? I know this is my story. And this is the good news of the gospel. And this is love, 1 John 4.10 and Romans 5.8. Not that we have loved God But that he loved us and sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins. God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. No, Mary is favored because God has chosen to come to her. God has chosen to be with her. And Mary is understandably frightened. Not just frightened at Gabriel's presence, but frightened at his words. The Lord is with you. Those of you who are with us through Exodus know what happens when God shows up eminently, when his presence hits the earth. I mean, God is everywhere. But when he shows up eminently, what happened? Do you remember? Lightning, thunder, earthquakes, burning bushes, right? Moses can't even look on God's backside without glowing for days. Mary is a good Jewish girl. She knows her ancient scriptures, what we hold as our Old Testament. You saw it in her prayer She knows what this means. So her mind must have been racing, weighing all the reasons this is happening. She's not only fearful, the Greek word means she's confounded, she's anxious. Why? Because she knows she's unworthy of an angelic visit. If she thought she was worthy, she would not be so frightened. But look at the grace of God through his messenger, the angel, he reassures Mary again, do not be afraid for you have found favor with God God is giving you a gift, Mary, and it will uncover the true nature of your heart. So the sending of Jesus to Nazareth tells us something about the nature of our hearts. But the substance of Jesus, the gift of God, tells us how far God is willing to go to change our hearts. His own son. As far as sons go, greater than great, blow your mind, son of the most high, highest king forever, a kingdom without end. For those of us who have brought home babies from the hospital, it's pretty overwhelming, isn't it? I remember looking into Austin's face when we got home and thinking, you are an eternal creature made in God's image. What is God thinking? (laughs) The bravery of God to give me that little boy. Can you imagine, Mary? The bravery of God to give me his son. The exact nature of God, and as God's son, dear to God. I mean, I knew Austin was dear to uh, to God, but Jesus, dear to God? He will come as a baby, and you will name him Jesus God saves. God chooses to become a vulnerable baby so that the impossible could be made possible. In the words of C.S. Lewis, the son of God became a man. To enable you and I to become daughters of God. Sisters, humanity is so messed up. We are so sinful, we are so bad off that the Most High was willing to be made low, the most low. God handed His very Son into this broken, sin-suffering, sick world. A couple of Christmases ago, our son Austin was deployed. He's a fighter pilot for the Air Force now. He was deployed over the Middle East, part of the war on terror. We released him, not knowing if he would return, if he would give his life. God deployed his very own son to war evil itself, to defeat it, to bring eternal peace for all who believe in him. And God knew exactly what it would cost. Everything sending Jesus to us. Excuse me. We hear of celebrities putting on baseball caps, hiding their identity to visit terminally ill children, putting on their grubbies to assist in after natural disasters. Greatness is being willing to be made low. Jesus didn't just put on a baseball cap and go to the hospital. Jesus laid aside his heavenly glory to put on human flesh, to enter a dark womb. He did this to enter into our suffering and to enter our sin. He was willingly made low to remake you and me. So in sending Jesus to us, we have the gift of seeing our desperate need for a new heart. In the substance of Jesus, God's son, we see how far God is willing to go to change our hearts. But in the source of Jesus' conception we see how the impossible is made possible. Mary rightly asks in Luke one thirty four, how will this be since I am a virgin? Again, Mary is not expressing distrust, you saw that this week, but a desire to understand the impossible. See, as a young Jewish girl, she was taught to believe God could never be a human. The line between God and man was severed forever in the garden when our first parents rebelled. Eden's sin severed that line between God and man and shut man out. Mary knew of God creating mankind to live with him in intimacy in paradise. And she knew of the rebellion that brought sin into the world and into her own heart. How will the impossible become possible? How will I carry God's son? I am human, Gabriel. I'm fallible. I'm frail. I'm sinful. How can God exist in me? And the angel Gabriel, through what he is saying, is saying, you are right. It will take a miracle, a mysterious one. It will happen by a way you cannot understand, done in a way that you cannot see. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the Most High will overshadow you. And if you're like me, we want to understand how could this possibly happen. But really, in reality, what this is, is time to take off our shoes. We're on holy ground. This is a passage, as one commentator said, that we should come to with wonder, love and praise. It is enough to know that when the Son of God came into the world, a real body was made for him, and he was born of our woman, of a woman, again, taking off our shoes, holy ground. Augustine of Hippo, he's an early church father, so it's a little bit tricky words, but I want you to hang in there with me, because this is so powerful, has a short little poem that talks about the creator of all, the one through whom all things were created, becoming a man. Man's maker was made man, that he, ruler of the stars, might nurse at his mother's breast. Imagine this, sisters. That the bread of life might hunger, the fountain thirst, the light of the world sleep, the way be tired on its journey that the truth might be accused of false witness, the teacher be beaten with whips, the foundation be suspended on wood, that strength might grow weak, that the healer might be wounded, that life might die. Anybody ready to take off your shoes? Though Mary did not yet understand, her baby is the new Adam, the promised one, the one through whom every promise of salvation says yes and amen. Fully man, Jesus grew up to be the man Adam wasn't. He walked, talked, slept, ate, wept perfectly. And fully God, Jesus literally brought heaven to earth. He forgave sins, performed miracles. He loved the obscure, the outcast. He loved the irreligious, but don't miss this, my sisters. He loved the religious too. He loved a good Jewish girl trying to be be good. I think sometimes we, we emphasize so much God's chasing after the absolute, outwardly rebellious that we forget he loves those who are trying to get it right too. And though Mary didn't yet fully understand how, she did believe God would do the impossible. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. See, Mary could have kept trying to be a good Jewish girl and earn God's favor, but no. Instead, she received the gift of Jesus that was the guarantee of something far greater, a new heart. Mary did not object to an uncertain future, a ruined reputation, the potential devastation of a broken engagement, truly a broken marriage. If God is willing to do all this to get near to her, she is willing to do whatever it takes to get near him. And so it was. Can't even imagine. At that moment, the Son of God became a man. And Mary did all this without knowing what her baby would go through. to make the impossible possible. All that Jesus would do, all that he would endure to give her a new heart, but we do. The disgrace Jesus bore, the lies told about him to ruin his reputation, the cruel mocking, the relentless torture, the murderous death. Mary didn't yet know that all this was going to lead to a cross where Jesus would be the ultimate outcast before man and God. Taking on her sin and mine and yours in those three hours of darkness, he was abandoned by the Father who he had loved and known eternally. We cannot imagine the horror of that. But because Jesus said, I am the Lord's servant, let it be done to me according to your word. Because Jesus said, not my will but yours. The impossible was made possible for you and me. We who trust in Jesus can now be declared perfect. The disgrace of our sin removed, thrown into the depths of the sea. Amen. We are rescued from the eternal destruction our sin deserves. And raising Jesus from the dead, God guarantees a new heart for all who trust in him. A new heart through which the impossible can be possible. Life in his son. God is with us. He is in us. He is among us. Emmanuel, because we have favor, we need not fear. There are probably many of you in this room like me. Something has come into your life, a gift, unwanted, unexpected, undesired, maybe even the very thing you told God you couldn't handle. Something that causes uncertainty, something that is maybe devastating your future plans. But if we look to Jesus, we will find the Spirit's power to say, let it be done to me according to your word. We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt it is not punishment That's all been poured out on Jesus. It is the pursuit of God's love. Some of us are being asked to obey God in a way that makes us feel scared and uncertain. To obey will be a devastation of our future plans. The courage it will take. But because of Jesus, when we look to Jesus, we are empowered to say, I am your servant. And when we do, by God's grace, we find what Mary found. God with us. And the more we see that all Jesus has done to be near to us, we will want to embrace every gift he gives and every word he commands, knowing it is exactly what our hearts need to be changed. See, the cross proves to us, my sisters, that God will never withhold from you anything you need and he will not give to you anything you don't need. Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? God's gifts are never random. He's not an impulsive buyer. His commands are never busy work. They're not color sheets. They're not burdensome. They give life. The gifts he gives and the commands he gives He gives us show and change our heart. As Tim Keller reminds us, Jesus always gives you what you need. And he knows better than you what that is. Praise God. He's the wonderful counselor. There is no human counselor and there are some amazing counselors out there who could have changed this heart. And I know that's the testimony of many of you in here. God has made the impossible possible for me and for you. And he's just gotten started. When we say, yes, I am the Lord's servant, the power of the incarnation continues. God in us. God with us. God among us. Using the gifts he gives. Using the commands and every obedience to continue the work he has begun unto completion. Here is where we find that nothing is impossible with God. Here is where we find love and life collide to the glory of God and our joy. Father, we praise you for the gift of Jesus alive in our hearts and our minds to what it tells us about who we are. And the guarantee that you can change us, alive in us anew, to the profound mystery, the powerful evidence of your love, that wants to collide into our lives. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen.